So good morning, here we are on Wednesday. It's day three of Rebuilding Business, a series of interviews with outstanding entrepreneurs and experienced leaders with reputations as trailblazers in their fields. Our intention, as you know, is to really help you to think about how do I build my business or become a better leader through our five bite-sized interviews, coffee break interviews that we're doing every day of the week. So I'm really excited, we're day three. And, and Jay, you know, I'm always really excited because I love speaking to you. Uh, we're not very good at, I think we should probably do these as dinner length interviews as opposed to coffee break interviews uh, but just to flag up a little bit about you so today I'm with Jay Allen for day three and he's our two times global entrepreneur big impact business award-winning scale mentor listed in the UK on the clear business thinking power 100 which sounds very powerful um, Jay, just a little bit of obviously your history, rapid deployment uh, soldier within the British Army, serving all over the world, and subsequently having worked at the highest level with big business, generating around about half a billion pounds worth, worth of shareholder value. Uh, I think the most exciting thing I'm really interested in, I know our, our viewers will be interested here, and that is about your experience as an entrepreneur leader, because you've scaled up and sold twice. Uh, got another couple of businesses on the go at the moment and I know we're going to talk on Friday aren't we about your add a zero business challenge but before we get to that I really want to talk to you in a little bit more detail about what you perceive to be the flaws in business yesterday you said very contentiously 80% of business owners are wrong about everything and today you want to talk about flaws you've really got it in for SME owners haven't you <laughs> no, not at all. I'm desperately wanting to be able to help them to prevent them from falling into the same fate as so many others. Um, so if you want to grab a grande and a biscotti, I think we've got enough time to be able to fit in three floors today. Okay, okay. Come on and kick, kick me off with number one. Well, first of all, let's just quickly put this into context, because don't get me wrong, we, are, we can all believe and suggest that there are a multitude of different things that cause a business to fail. And, and there's so much research out there to be able to support either businesses going broke or growing broke or running out of money or customers or fails to pivot and, and all of that type of stuff. But in actual fact, what I was keen to be able to find out probably about five, nearly six years ago now was what's the underlying cause? If you scrape away the surface of the, the eventual cause and say, well, but if that had been in place, then that would never have been able to have achieved. So how do you scale back and get to the very root cause and say, well, what are the things that needs to be in place to prevent any of that new stuff, that superficial stuff that eventually causes so much problems to ever be in the place in the first place? And we spent nearly four years studying over 150 national business failures. And we were quite alarmed to identify that there was only three that we came up with that were prevalent in in all 150 businesses and the first floor remarkably or not 46 percent of businesses that we studied it's about the business plan it's about either a lack of a business plan or in the realms of bigger business where you would naturally expect them to have one it was either woefully out of date and hadn't been updated to be able to reflect the, the current state of business and the environment that it was trading in. Um, or it simply wasn't known by everybody else in the business. And if you asked um, employees within the business as to how what they did contributed towards the overall goals and vision and values of the business, they, they hadn't got a clue. 
they didn't really have some congruent message that was delivered through the business that everyone in the business was able to engage in and really get to a task and to understand as to how that impacts them and their role and how them and their role impact the overall prof um, uh, proficiencies and competencies of the business. Or sadly and unfortunately, far too frequently, there was a maverick. There was somebody on board within the business that although everybody else was on the same page had been brought in perhaps at quite a senior level either a, a manager or a, a junior director and felt the need to try and create and forge something for themselves to be able to state the name on and took the business off in a tangent somewhere because it wasn't congruent with what the business was trying to achieve you see that actually a lot don't you in business people coming in and going actually I've, I've got to help people to understand that I'm here. I've arrived now, so things are going to change around here. I, would, I don't care what's already working, um, but I'm going to change things. But I, I just want to challenge you on, on one thing, because I know the amount of uh, leaders, business owners, managers that I speak to that get really scared when they hear the word business plan, because they think, oh my word, this means I, I need to be academic, I need to be able to write something the size of a, an old 1980s Yellow Pages directory. We're not talking about that kind of business plan, are we? No, we're not talking about the overall strategic overview of a big PLC company. We're simply talking about a two or three page document, possibly even as a business plan on a page, if you can fit it, but a general view with regards to this is what we're aiming to achieve. This is how we're going to set out and trying to achieve it. And these are the steps that we want to be able to take along the way. But most importantly, these are the parameters and which we're wanting to operate within. And these are the parameters that we don't want to step outside of. Mm -hmm. I, I talked to um, Kevin Gaskell, as you, as you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, and Kevin was saying, if we've not got clarity... on interview, by the way. It was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's enough hot air. Um, he, yeah, but he says, you know, if you've not got a vision and people don't understand what that vision it looks like, what it feels like, how tangible it is, how we'll measure when we've got there. It's a bit like when you leave your, leave your house and you think, well, I, I think I want to go to Glasgow, but you've got no roadmap. Uh, and you and you actually, you know, maybe you don't speak English, so you can't read the, the road signs and you end up finding yourself in Exeter. So it, it's as simple as that, isn't it? If we're here and we want to go there, this is the route we need to take. Absolutely. Now, if that... It's a tom-tom. Uh, obviously, other sat-navs are available. <laughs> um, uh, but, but it's a tom-tom that guides you and your business and everyone within the business to be able to make sure that we're still on track and we're heading up the M6 towards Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. Now, if that's floor number one, and the, the thing that I like uh, about the work that you do is it, it's not gut, it's not just gut feel. I know some of that is really important when you're working with people, but you always do the research, don't you? So, yeah, as far as on. I'm concerned, it's it's always been a case of you've got a gut feeling, but then you've got to be able to substantiate it because otherwise it's just a gut feeling. So, this research that I'm sharing with you and the viewers today is based on four and a half years, 130 odd thousand pounds uh, of research, based on 153 national business failures and a survey of over 117,000 SMEs. Right, so, so I, th I think we've got enough evidence, haven't we, to be, able to, to be able to justify showing it. So can we go to floor number two then? No business plan number one. Sure, so business uh, floor number two is probably the most prevalent right here and right now in the environment that we're in, as we record this and mm -hmm. share it with everybody and it's about businesses that don't do well 
during a period of depression or difficulty or some form of external influence where the business plan is now being really tested because invariably we don't write a business plan that includes contingency planning for um, stress testing environments. So it's when, when, when things aren't going quite to plan is how do businesses do well and how biz businesses don't do well. And if you bear me with one second, I've got a prop. Go on then. I love props. So, businesses that don't do that well. A nice big arrow pointing downwards because businesses that don't do well, they're the ones that have got systems and processes ahead of people. Right. They failed to acknowledge that the people in a business are the greatest asset in any business. They're the ones that have got so far by driving the business forward. And then all of a sudden, the environment changes, the, the, the difficulty starts to hit, the proverbial hits. And as a result, instead of inspiring the teams to be able to drive the business forward, they start insisting that you follow the system, follow the process. We've got systems and processes. Processes. All I need you to do is, is follow the system. And they don't understand that it starts to kill people's motivation and buy-in and innovations to be able to get through. Meanwhile, businesses that do particularly well in difficult circumstances, and there are a number of business owners right now that have done exceptionally well through the lockdown and the COVID period, are the ones that have still got systems and processes, but they never put them ahead of the people. Mm -hmm. They allowed and understood that the greatest investment that you can ever make is in the recruitment, retention and reward of your people who were willing to be able to say, if the systems and processes aren't working right now, what do we need to do differently in order to be able to support our peoples to pull through? And if we ever are in a time, as we're in right now, where there's the need to be able to question and review everything within a business, to be able to say, have we pivoted or diverted effectively? It's about being able to ensure that we've got the systems and processes to support the people to get through it, as opposed to that becoming a, 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 a hindrance to them because it's a changing environment. Actually, I was just reminded as you were talking there about a client that I worked with a number of years ago who had a group of five businesses and he really wanted to be able to step back and be CEO of all five. But one of his businesses, the most successful, he was still sitting in the management, uh, managing director's position. And so he recruited a guy who had a phenomenal reputation as of being a turnaround MD. He didn't need to turn around his business because it was already successful, but it, it did have some challenges uh, the, the existing CEO you know, had a very big picture approach to life and was a real visionary. So he thought it'd be really good to have a guy who's got you know, systems and processes, very solid, but a very solid MD in place. And, and I'm not kidding you, because he was the CEO said, I'm going to step back and let you get on and do what you want to do. Uh, nearly killed the business within six months, divide and conquer. Um, you know, we, we, literally you have to put your hand off you need to go to the toilet i'm counting the minutes that you're delivering and all of that as you say that innovation that motivation that had created the successful business in the first place was destroyed um sadly had to be exited very quickly and the business had to be salvaged but it is so you're so right that number one factor is how do we create the conditions for people to be brilliant and let them get on and do what they're brilliant at so i like that, that as, as number two I know that we've got floor threes to cover quickly, but that reminds me that tomorrow when we talk about SWOT, 
um, got a great story about something exactly the same where people failed to be able to understand the need to be able to replace like for like, and it killed motivation and inspiration, and as a result, things start to die off. It right, really so is crucial to business. So we will look a little bit more at that t tomorrow, but let's, because uh, we've got to recognise people's coffee will be getting cold if we're not too careful. So floor three, what have you got? So floor three is a little bit more complex, but it's, and it's about businesses that are doing particularly well. It's about businesses that are, that are accelerating really, really quickly and growing, um, possibly beyond the business owner's initial per perception or interpretation. That things are going so well that they're almost being caught up on the wave and they've failed to acknowledge that for every action, there's an automatic reaction. It's about not being able to understand that the business has to be ethically sound. It has to be able to support each other. And it's where business owners allow the business to grow unleashed, as it were, and then don't start to acknowledge the need for sales to talk to marketing or marketing to talk to customer service or customer service to talk to finance. And as a result, you start to create these silos or micro businesses or departments within that almost compete against each other because they fail to acknowledge how they all contribute or support or, or challenge each other in doing so. Yes, it is that golden thread, isn't it? It's making sure everybody recognises their connection to each other. It's like you can have the most beautiful uh, wind-up brightling watch, you know, very sort of old-fashioned, very traditional, perfectly crafted. But if one of those cogs isn't working, then the whole thing collapses. So, so, but actually, this is one of this is one of the challenges with with growth, isn't it? Is that you go from that sort of four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve staff who really understand the purpose and recognise their role, but suddenly you've got thirty, forty, fifty, a hundred staff. How do you maintain that connection in that growth journey? Well, it's twofold, really. First of all, it's being able to have a really, really clear vision and value statement that is encouraged throughout the business and recruited upon, as opposed to allow there to be diversification that then almost dilutes the message, the vision and the values. And two, it's about understanding that people within the business are customers of each other also, and therefore having really clear lines of communication and open three, six, uh, 360 degree feedback that allows us to be able to communicate freely and challenge people within the business to be able to make sure that all of the activity that we're doing is supporting the vision, value and culture of the business as opposed to allowing those mavericks to start taking off on course. Because you've only got to go one degree off course and you'll never, ever, ever get to your end destination. Yeah, absolutely. Well, or or the, the destination you intended to get to. Um, and I, th I think that's what, one of the crucial things. You see so many companies, you walk in, they've got their value statements on the wall and their mission and their vision. But I think that's one of the challenges I, I ask people to tell whether this is truly a values-led business is I, as, as I ask people, what does it actually take to get sacked in your business? Because then that tells you whether this is truly values-led. You could go, well, you know, his behaviours are... Are really at odds with who we want to be, but he's such a great sales guy. I hear that all the time. I can't sack him. He's our best sales guy. Well, then you're not really a values-led business, are you? If you're funny, not going to make those decisions. Funny, very, very briefly, um, it was De Montfort University in 2016 that ran a survey um, on the top hundred places in the play, uh, in the country uh, in the world to ever work, and they mm -hmm. surveyed over seventeen thousand employees to find out as to why employees had voted their place of work as the best place in the world to work and you know the fourth most common response was 
management are happy to acknowledge when they get it wrong and fire quickly. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't absolutely. damage the culture. They recognise the importance of culture beyond per, beyond individual, mm. and that one bad apple really spoils a good cider. And and we'll we'll leave it with that because we're going we're going to Thursday. I always like Thursdays because it's Friday Eve. It's sort of you're over the bridge towards the weekend. Uh, so who knows? Maybe there'll be a cider at, at the end of tomorrow's session. But Jay, thank you so much for sharing your expertise, and uh, I will see you in the morning. Look forward to it. All the best. Take care.